everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, a proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home of Cubs checking. Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. I'm Tony Andraki, filling in for Cole Wright as host this week, joined with Andy Martinez, our digital Cubs reporter. We also had a, a sweet chat with Ron Valone, the AAA Iowa Cubs pitching coach. He filled us in on some insight about the journey to the big leagues for guys like Justin Steele, Edward Alzali, Keegan Thompson, Tommy Nance as well. Some of these younger rookie pitchers who have been impacting the big league club. But Andy, let's dive into it first right here. The, the most important news of the day, Wednesday evening here as we are recording it. Nico Horner just went down a, a little over 24, or a little under 24 hours ago with a hamstring injury, trying to beat out a bunt hit. And he's he's already landed on the 10-day IL. Rafael Ortega, an outfielder, has been called up. They're calling it a mild to moderate strain for Nico Horner. They said it's a roughly the same timeline that Justin Steele's is, so we're not exactly sure how long that will be. Steele's been out about a week here. And, uh, and he's still going through his routine, his lower body workout and stuff. So probably the best case scenario, we're looking at like two weeks for Nico Horner to be out. But Andy, just first off with between that, Anthony Rizzo, his, his low back is barking a bit for game two in Pittsburgh here. What do you make of all this and, and the Cubs depth once again being tested? Like we talked about in the last podcast, I think, and probably two or three podcasts before that, that like, hey, the Cubs depth is being tested. They need all these guys and role players to step up. Well, here we are now where I think it's nine or 10 guys now on the, on the injured list for the Cubs. Yeah, and, and it's these these muscle injuries, right? Like we mentioned, it's the hamstring injury, Justin Steele, Jake Marisnik, Jason Hayward. Uh, like it's it's one thing if they're, you know, fluke injuries or, or, or you know, slipping and, and a bad injury like that, but it's these muscle injuries and, and we're starting to see maybe the effects of, of the 60 game season and, and the, the craziness of 2020 as a whole, possibly, you know, that could descend from it. There's no real explanation. I'm sure we won't find a real explanation as to why the, these muscle injuries are popping up uh, this season, but it's just, it's, it's a tough break for the Cubs. But what's really remarkable is that, I mean, you know, one guy goes down and it's like, all right, well, we're still going to go win two out of three in St. Louis. All right. Another guy goes down. All right. We're still going to win another game. Like, it's just the ne next man up mentality. And it's also showing the versatility of this roster. I mean, obviously we've, we've, we've talked about it plenty with Chris Bryant who can, you know, he hasn't played third base. Uh, I texted you the other day, Tony, I said, Oh, Chris Bryant used to play third base. Like I kind of forgot, like it's been so long. Um, and and we're, we're just seeing the versatility of this roster where guys can go in and, and play wherever. And, and these guys that are coming in and, and like Eric Sogard, Matt Duffy, before he got hurt, it's just the, the versatility of the roster that, that is, you know, having success and, and still getting out, going out and getting wins for the Cubs. Yeah, it is. It's, it's been impressive so far. They've had a good month, um, but it's, it's going to be really difficult to sustain that as to our point, you know, that we were talking about, they activated Shelby Miller off the 10 day injured list, immediately designated him for assignment. So with Nico going on, that is 10 players. Now the Cubs have it's Austin Romine, Jonathan Holder, Rowan Wick are all in the 60-day IL. Then you got Matt Duffy, Nico Horner, Jason Hayward, Jake Marisnik, Trevor McGill, Alec Mills, and Justin Steele all on the 10-day IL. And like you said, most of them are muscular, soft tissue injuries. We got Duffy and, and Mills are on with, with back issues. And then you got Horner, Hayward, Marisnik, Steele are all part of this like hamstring crew. And then when you factor in the fact that Javi's had some, some hamstring low back issues, obviously Rizzo has Rizzo's a little bit of a difference because he's had this before. He's, he's seemed to 
to have a little bit of a low back issue every single year. We know during summer camp last year, we played everybody's favorite game. Where's Rizzo when he had to miss a, a couple of summer camp scrimmages and got to sit in every little spot around Wrigley Field to watch his team play. So he's a little bit of a different story, I feel like. But, the, you know, this the Cubs aren't the only team afflicted with this. The, the Mets have a couple guys that have hamstring injuries right now. Pretty much every team around baseball has some hamstring, low back, some kind of tightness and issues. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't think anybody does right now. Not, not for sure, but I think it's definitely troublesome around the game. And to your point too, Andy, like the coming off the 60 game season, it might be something to do with training. I don't know if there was something different to, to get them, you know, they, they had a full spring training, then they had a weird shutdown where they had to go home, work out at home. Everybody has different equipment at home. Then they had to get in, in to shape to play the sprint season. And then, you know, they, they shut it down, have a regular off season, get back to spring training. And so it's just different. Their bodies really haven't gone through something like this for two years because of that shutdown that happened after spring training. So yeah, they're only about two months in the season here, but it's really more like four with the way spring training has started. So I don't know, maybe there's something to that. I don't know exactly what it is. It's not just age if 24 year old Nico Horner, 25 year old Justin Steele are hurting themselves as well. But I, I you know, Andy, do you think we're going to find an answer here about uh, big picture, what's going on with all these injuries for position players too in baseball? I, you hope so. Maybe there'll be some studies, some, some things that go on. Like, I, you know, I'm not in the medical field by any means, and I don't know like how it would work or like how they would come to conclusions, but yeah, you, you would think that because given the number of, of all these injuries that we've spoken about, like teams are going to be curious, like, all right, why is it happening? And what can we do to, you know, maybe not fix it, but at least alleviate it. So you know, if we start seeing the signs of it early on, there's so much data and so much information available that, you know, you can look at a sprint speed and like, hypothetically speaking, like this is just, there's no medical backing or anything, but saying, you know, if a guy's a little bit slower, all right, maybe there's something, uh, you know, the seeds are there for something potentially there. So let's, you know, tone it down a little bit, give them a rest day, something like that potentially. And, and that's what teams kind of have to look for because these muscle injuries, you know, they're, they're very concerning given the amount. I mean, and like you said, it's not the Cubs. I mean, we've seen so many injuries across baseball. Cody Bellinger hasn't played much for the Dodgers. Byron Buxton, who was the, the best player in April in Minnesota, he's, he hasn't played in a while. Alvaro Mondesi didn't start or uh, started on the uh, injured list. Like there's just so many players across the league that, you know, are suffering from injuries. And it, it's just, you know, there's got to be there, there's got to be research going in to figure out why it's why it's happening so much. Yeah, right. And I mean, baseball's best player, Mike Trout, is going to miss two months with a with another muscular injury with a calf strain. So it, it is definitely very interesting here. And it's just it's kind of funny because I remember thinking maybe a little over a week ago and Ian Happ was just coming off the injured list and starting to heat up. And I was looking at the Cubs roster and I was like, how are they going to fit all these guys in? How are they going to fit a Duffy in? And, and Nico Horner was emerging as this everyday second baseman, his defense, especially when Andrew Trafin was on the mound was impeccable. And like, you know, all these different things, Bodie has, has, you know, his expected stats and all that look a little bit better than his actual stats. So it's like, Hey, they have all these guys, how are they going to fit? Well, then Hayward goes down, then Duffy goes down, then now Horner. So it's all these different things. And and it is a war of attrition in a lot of ways. But I think teams and the Cubs specifically were thinking more on the pitching side, not necessarily that their their position player depth would be tested that difficulty, you know, at this point in the season. But 
they still have, have persevered, you know, as we're about to wrap up May here, they're right in the hunt for first place. As you mentioned, they did take two out of three against the Cardinals started off the pirate series doing well here. So all in all, it's been a really successful month of May for this team setting up for a really interesting summer. I think regardless of how it works out with all these guys, the futures to, to be determined, we know the core guys and, and another pretty much half the roster is a free agent at the end of the year. So there's talk, talks of trades, talks of extensions, talks of, of, you know, making one last, last dance type of run. Either way, I think this is shaping up to be a really, really interesting summer. But Andy, how are they going to keep this all into place with the depth pieces? Like what, what's the key to, to making sure that they stay in this NL Central race all summer? I think it's 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 a little cliche, but it's what David Ross has been, you, you know, has been preaching the whole the whole year. Right. Like stay to yourself, stay, just stay true to your, who you are at the plate. Like when someone comes in and has to fill in for for a Jason Hayward or, or, or a Nico Horner, like don't try to be Jason Hayward or Nico Horner, because if, if you were them, then, you know, obviously, you know, you wouldn't have Nico Horner, or Jason Hayward, like just try Like if they're calling a person, if they're calling up a Rafael Ortega, if they're calling up a Patrick wisdom, you want all these guys to not, you know, try to be something they're not, because if, if, you know, that's when you start seeing the issues. And if you can have that, you can have these guys come in, then, you know, in two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is for these guys to come back, then, you know, you, you have kind of a nice headache that we've seen with the leadoff spot in the sense that Ian Happ went down, Jack Peterson came back up and, you know, he, he took the, the leadoff position is thriving in it. And now it's a nice little headache for David Ross, where it's like, do I go Ian Happ or do I go Jack Peterson? Cause they're both doing well. Um, you, you want that when, when Jason Hayward, Jake Marisnik, Nico Horner, all these guys come back, you want to be able to have those headaches where it's like, well, if these guys are performing, like, what do we have to do? And, and that, that, that's the kind of depth that you, you hope you have as an organization as a whole. Yeah, I think so for sure. I, I, you know, you still look at, you talked about just Jack Peterson and, and we mentioned Ian Happ coming back and Wilson Contreras was getting hot there for a little bit. Chris Bryant's been steady throughout, but, you know, assuming Rizzo doesn't need an IL stint or anything else for this back issue, you know, he and Javi have been kind of steady contributors as well, you know, having different moments. And I mean, look, the Cubs really like what they have in, in Eric Sogar, who's still healthy out there. And once guys like Duffy, Marisnik, Hayward, obviously come back. Um, and then, PJ Higgins and some of these other guys coming up, you know, you, you mentioned wisdom and Ortega, Nick Martini as well. Like the Cubs like these guys, they liked what they saw out of them in spring training. Ortega hit a walk-off grand slam, which was really fun. I know you were down there covering that game. Like yep. that was, that was part of this vibe that I feel like per personally just watching the team has carried over. And that was one of the games that I think was something, something of a turning point is they have shown this fight all along. It's, it's a, the same group in a sense because of all these injuries, because there's so many guys that have been called up from, from the AAA team that there's, you know, 20 or so position players that have played with the Cubs this year, and they've shown that fight. And we've definitely seen that in May here that this team, you know, they, they've gone actually almost the entire month now without losing a game by more than, than one run which is pretty incredible. Like they're right in there in, in every single game. They, they have great comebacks. The beginning of the month, there was that game in Cincinnati where Ian Happ hit that three round homer before the collision. So I, I think that the fight of this team, you know, we're seeing it right now. Now, I don't know if, if all these injuries will come back to bite them at some point, maybe they will, but the Cubs like their depth pieces right now. And I think it'll be interesting to see how a guy like Ortega fits in and, and how Higgins and Martini continue to fit in moving forward. But, you know, the one guy that you did mention to Jack Peterson, uh, he, 
has a mustache. Um, I shouldn't be talking. I, I have a blonde mustache that, um, or not a mustache, but a beard. And it just, it takes forever to grow like weeks. So I'm right there in Jock's boat. I feel his pain. His wife doesn't like it. His teammates might not like it, but the Cubs certainly like what they're seeing on the scoreboard from the mustache power that Jock has given him. And especially in the leadoff spot, like you said too, like this is, this is almost spring training Jock that we've seen. He's, he's red hot. He's barreling up the baseball. Your guy, Richard Rodriguez was pitching the other night in the pirate series and, and Jock, you know, turned on a high fastball from him and, and got a hustle double out of it. So it just seems like Jock's locked in. And if he is able to solidify that leadoff spot, it, it there's really ripple effects for this team right now. Yeah. Agreed. hundred percent. I like that. Richard Rodriguez has officially <laughs> been dubbed my guy, um, but Jock Peterson has been, yeah, he's been fantastic. And, you know, he, he was very defensive about his mustache, which I don't blame him. Like, you know, if I, I, I cannot grow facial hair to save my life. Um, so, you know, if I could, I would totally feel it. I'd be hundred percent on the same boat as he is about, about his mustache, but it, it's been, it's been awesome to see. And, you know, I, I look back at the beginning of the season, he came off this spring where, you know, it seemed like every time he was coming up to bat in Arizona, it was all right. Is he, where's he going to hit this to like, how far is this home run going to be it? And then, you know, he starts the season and, you know, he, the, you we weren't seeing the Jack Peterson that we saw in Arizona and you're like, all right, like what's going on. And then when he landed on the 10 day IL, at least myself, I thought, all right, that's what it was. Like something was there. Like, that's the reason there was, there was just something a little off and, he came back and he's like, all right, it's like, all right, like you mentioned, like this is the jock we saw in Arizona. And I think this is the jock that, you know, we expected to see when the Cubs uh, made the move to sign him in the offseason. Yeah, I think that that IL stint, too, is a great mental break for these guys. Like physically, it helped get his wrist in shape. And we did see him wearing a cast at, you know, in the, in the clubhouse uh, or sorry, in the dugout at Wrigley Field. So obviously physically he, he needed to get back better, you know, in, in better shape, but I think mentally it's a good reset button for these guys as well. So I think that was important. We're seeing, you know, the Jack Peterson, I think Jim Deshaies said it great. Like if you were keeping Jack Peterson stock and you were holding it, you're really reaping the benefits right now. And, and we've absolutely seen that over the last few weeks here. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with, with Ron Vallone give us an inside perspective on how some of these guys out of the bullpen have really come into their own and matured to become important pieces for the Cubs pitching staff. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. We're joined now by Ron Vallone, the Iowa Cubs pitching coach. He spent 15 years in the big leagues with 12 different teams. Now he's had a, a really interesting journey through the Cubs organization, uh, several stops along the way as pitching coach at various levels, uh, a couple years as the minor league rehab pitching coordinator. Ron, now you're the AAA Iowa Cubs pitching coach. Can you just talk a little bit about your journey to this point? Uh, you know, all these different stops in the Cubs farm system and and what um, what drew you to to coaching here in the first place? Uh, you know, I think I've, had, I've been real fortunate to meet a lot of good people along the way in baseball over the years. And uh, <clears throat> I ran into one, uh, Jason McLeod, a real long time ago. And uh, he kept asking me for, for years if I was done playing. And I wasn't at the time. And uh, he called me at the right time and asked me if I was done playing one year. And I said, yes. And uh, he invited me in. And uh, I mean, that was uh, 10 seasons ago. So uh, I've had plenty of good stops along the way, uh, you know, learning player development, pitching development again. You know, you know it's, uh, it's uh, changed over the years, but 
uh, just to be a part of this, uh, the Cubs way has been real, real great thing for the last nine, 10 seasons. I, I'm glad you brought that up. How has pitching development changed from your perspective over just even the last couple of years? It feels like there's so many more, you know, advancements and the technology has become such a huge part of between spin rates and all these different things that we've seen. Well, I think, you know, the, uh, the, the data revolution is, is kind of cool in a way because <clears throat> everybody's fighting to figure out uh, to have one step on each other, one step up uh, to see who's developed the most data, developed the most players and, and put those two to use together. I think that's kind of my job to be the, the intermediary, the consigliere, the, the guy in the middle, the mediator, uh, the messenger. And uh, a lot of times uh, new messages come up and I have a lot of good people working with us in our organization, uh, our R&D guys, our coordinators, front office people and so somehow we all get to uh kind of get together before we feed out information to our players and uh, i think we've done a real good job and we're a step ahead of the game in that sense um but the other thing is like being on the field all the time and understanding we have to blend these ideas and blend these numbers into a situation where these guys can interpret them for themselves as much as we want to give them that information has been real important and i think uh the growth our players had over the last couple of years has been real important can you talk a little bit too about just what the last year, year and a half has been like for you with the pandemic? Because if I'm correct, you were at the alternate site last year, correct? <clears throat> last summer? Correct. Yeah. So what was that experience like, you know, coaching at the alternate site? There, there weren't, you know, minor league games, but working with some of the guys who, you know, were shuttling back and forth to Chicago or, or were trying to work on some things uh, down there at the alternate site, pitching against basically their own team here. You know, I think, to, to say it was a grind was an understatement. Uh, we, we all had to live through these times and, and conditions, uh, but uh, I was real proud of everybody who stepped through those doors in South Bend that, that put in the time and sacrifice uh, to be away from their families, to be, we had to be isolated uh, you know, to, the, to the point of like we have no outer world contact except for our phones and our computers and our technology. Um, that's just the way it was. And, um, Everybody did a real good job of buying into saying, hey, we're going to find a way to get better. And the scrimmage games, the inner squad games, uh, we had to put a different twist on them. We did a lot of different things, you know, playing against each other with an outfield, playing against each other with an infield, pitcher versus hitter, just stuff we probably did in real small doses in the past that uh, we had to do in larger doses. And, and guys, that, like I said, did a great job. Like Jason Adam was one guy who, comes out to my mind last year, came down there with the right mindset, you know, was a real good contributor for us in the end in the, for the big club last year. Uh, and he's just one guy who came in day by day and said, just, just give me whatever you got. And I said, Hey, give me whatever you got. And uh, it was, it was kind of a nice thing, but uh, you know, I'm glad that's in the past. We went, we did go to South Bend this year uh, to start the, to see the minor league season, you know, to prepare, we were able to play some uh, exhibition games against uh, Toledo and Schaumburg. Uh, I think that did prepare us for, for the beginning of our season, probably better than most. Um, but again, we're, we're real excited to be out of South Bend as much as it was a great situation for us. Uh, I think being in Iowa playing real baseball in front of real fans has got the guys a little excited. You mentioned a little bit there with Jason Adam, but your fingerprints are really all over the, the Cubs roster right now in Chicago. I mean, so many of the young guys are uh, rookies who have come up 
have credited you with helping them throughout their career, whether last year at the alternate side or this year, or even the past couple of years, like Justin Steele pointed out, you know, when he was rehabbing from Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago, that you were a guy that was always in his corner. And we saw Tommy Nance make his debut, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And, and he just, he actually was saying words can't describe how much of an influence, a positive influence you've been in his life. When you hear that, Ron, what, what does that kind of make you feel? What is that, to hear those sentiments, what is your reaction to that? Uh, you know, my reaction is they put the work in. Uh, I'm just here as a guide. I'm here as a, an ear. Sometimes I have to be the mouth and the guy with the truth. And sometimes, you know, the, the truth is a really ally, a good ally, whether it's the negative or the positive stuff. And I think the more and more you feed these young guys with the truth and, and the reality of what's going on in front of them, uh, it's a little bit easier for them to dissect it themselves. You know, like Justin Steele, I've known Justin since we drafted him, Tom since we signed him, uh, watch these guys grow, develop. But at the same time, th these guys have really taken their own careers, like, you know, taking the bull by the horns and just and run with some stuff, some information, some training, but also been dedicated to being accountable to your actions, being on time, learning from your mistakes, uh, asking questions, especially when you don't know the answers, you know, being upfront, being great young men, being great ball players, And it's, it's been a privilege for me to watch them develop and grow and, and now contribute to the big league club. Yeah. I was actually going to ask a little bit more of that too. Like what sense of pride do you feel watching this? Because I, I know it must be hard to say goodbye to some of these guys that you have a bond with, but at the same time, you know, it's like, Hey, they get to, to fulfill their big league dream. And in the case of Tommy Nance at age 30 and what, what sense of pride do you see when they contribute and in high leverage moments for this Cubs team over the past few weeks? You know, I, I think I just reflect on probably the times when they were down the most, where they were injured uh, they were on their own cloud of not knowing what was going on because they couldn't understand what getting outs and a ball was, but they had the talent, you know, and they had the, uh, the determination to, to overcome some bumps in the road. And I think that's just, uh, you know, I had a long career and I was able to go through some bumps myself and figure out a whole lot and just, just sharing the, the daily grind of, Hey, you may not feel good, but you are good. Hey, that might not look good but it looks pretty good to the hitter. You know, there's always a positive spin on stuff. And I think the more you're able to spin stuff into the positive way and, and show them for what it is and not for a result, but the journey, how to embrace it. I think that's been real important for those guys and important for myself too. Cause you know, I, I have 12, 14, 16, 20 guys to, to talk to and the personalities are different and the, the learning curves are different, but I think everybody knows when you're on board for all the same thing to, to be your best, to, to help the big league club to become a major league baseball player, you don't get sidetracked too much. And I think that that funnel of positivity really takes, takes on its own when you see a guy get to the big leagues and not only go up there and do well, but like go out there and own his stuff and be a contributor and be available for, for Rossi and Tommy Hadovy, be available for the Cubs at all times. And I just think that these guys have been buying into it for years and now the product's finally paying off. 
you talked a little bit too about like the mental aspect and reminding players that they're good. And and we talked with uh, Anthony Iaposi in, in spring training and kind of joked with him that sometimes you're a coach, sometimes you're a therapist and stuff. I, do you kind of feel that way at times? And I guess with the mental component, what do you think it says about some of these guys, like the Tommy Nance who makes his major league debut and he, bam, he's right there in high leverage moments and in, in division games against the Cardinals. What does it say about these guys? Um, their mental ability too to be able to to make that jump and do that immediately here. Well, I think it's <clears throat> part mental conditioning, part part going through some some adversity, uh, but the biggest thing is uh, never giving up. You know that that's the idea behind it. Like you're going to get down, you're going to get beaten down at times, physically, mentally, emotionally. I mean, running around this game, getting uh, bust around. Flew around level to level, uh, being stuck in Arizona when it's 120 degrees in the summers and you're rehabbing injuries and, and finding ways not to feel good when you're, you're at your worst or you're, you're down and there's nowhere to go but up. But being able to see that and communicate that and have that relationship I've built with a bunch of these guys over the years, uh, that's invaluable because then they can look back and rely on me a little bit, but start relying on themselves more because they've practiced this before. They've gone through adversity. Uh, now it's a little bit more at a, a higher leverage situations. Uh, there's bigger crowds and bigger crowds to come. But when you've done it long enough, you know who you are as a player, as a person, and you're able to, to share that with your coaches and your, your teammates, and they get to know you a little bit, uh, sky's the limit. That's what we're seeing now. With Tommy Nance in particular, his story seems to resonate so well with fans and with people around the game, just for a guy who didn't give up, you know, had Tommy John after college, went to independent ball, ended up making it through every level of the Cubs organization here. For you, what was it like, you know, I guess just watching this kid grow and and do you have kind of a soft spot for a guy who, like you said, never gave up and refused to, to give in and just follow his dream? You know, I think there's a, a way to look at it. And, and from my perspective is I'm fortunate because I got to spend a lot of days, a lot of good days and a lot of bad days with them. So you get to see two sides of a person, but the, the internal fortitude of some of them, those are the ones that, that get past the, the adversity. And uh, Tommy's a prime example of that. But Tommy came in with some really raw tools. He's worked at it. He's battled injuries. Uh, I think, you know, over the years, Watching him develop has been probably a different type of story because the stuff was always there. Fine-tuning it, fine-tuning the body. His mind is probably past a lot of people's. In a sense, he's always believed in himself. He had to get people to believe in him. Uh, but uh, I knew that from day one, talking to him, understanding where he came from. Uh, he let me in on it early, so maybe that's uh, the advantage I had. But for me, it was just like, Hey, if you want to do this, you know, it's going to take time. And he's like, I got every day to, to give everything I've got. So, you know, seeing the, the fruits of his labor is awesome and stuff, but he's got a lot to do. He's still got a lot to prove. And you can ask him that and he'll tell you that. In a similar vein with Justin Steele, I know he's a couple of years younger than, than Nance here, but he had somewhat of a similar journey, you know, going through Tommy John surgery, battling back from injuries. And we've seen him come up, get big outs, but also pitch with emotion and, and have, you know, a little bit of personality on the mound. What, what was it, has it been like working with Justin, even dating back to when you were the rehab you know, coordinator and, and he was recovering from a major injury like that? 
Yeah, well, I remember Justin after he was drafted and <laughs> he's a baby with not a hair on his face too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, watching him run around, the kid's a great athlete. People don't understand what a great athlete this guy is. And uh, the sky's the limit. He's just, he's just starting to touch what he's capable of doing. And uh, as good as he's been, I think there's a, there's a lot more in there. Uh, but, you know, when he was down, uh, when he had to spend days in 120-degree weather, playing catch, working out, throwing, running, learning how to, to use food as his, his mentor, you know, because when you're young and you want to grow, you got to eat. You got to eat to grow. And Justin's been such a great athlete. Watching him physically mature, emotionally, mentally mature on the baseball field has been something that uh, well, not many of us, have, of us have seen, but like I've seen the growth each year. When he got to the alter, alternate site last year, he took the time in the pandemic, the couple months to work, to put that time in by himself with his family, with his friends who he could, he could make the most of. He came ready. And I knew it last year. And I think after them seeing him a little bit last year and seeing him, what he brought to the table in spring training, they knew, they knew he was ready. And now it's, uh, it's like horses in the pasture, man. You got to let them run. He just also said that when he got called up earlier this season that I think it was you actually that broke the news to him, right? Called him into his office and, and talked to him. What was that like? Could you break that moment down for us? Well, I already knew. And, uh, he got the information from uh, one, one of the greatest, VJ, his flight information. So he was kind of surprised because we kind of <laughs> met at the same time. So it was really, uh, he's like, hey, do you know what I'm doing? I'm like, of course I know, Justin. It, 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 it's about time. You know, but this time you're going to go up to pitch. Last year you got a little taste of watching. Now you're going to go pitch. Not only are you going to compete, you're going to go dominate. You're going to show everybody what you're made of. So that, that first time, you know, when he knew he was going to go up there to pitch, uh, it was special just because – you see people grow and you watch what they go through and what they contribute is more than just on the field. You know, it's like, Hey, perseverance. It takes it to, to be outside the white lines as much inside the white lines. Another guy too, uh, that talking about the alternate site, Edward Elzelai spent quite a bit of time there last year with you guys. You shuttled back and forth to Chicago a bit, but I know what the huge thing for him was working on his slider and developing it there in South Bend. And it's just become this huge weapon for him. He's become, you know, a horse in the Cubs rotation. Can you take us a little bit behind what that process like with Edward, you know, adding a new pitch, what, what kind of goes into that when then he does have moments where he's coming up for relief outings or a spot start here and there where he also has to try to get big league out and then come back to the altar site, keep, keep working on it. What, what's all that like, I guess? I guess without tipping our hand, I could give you a little insight. Sure. <laughs> like, uh, you know, the, the data on his slider was real good. The belief Albert possesses is, is better than good and to find the ways to practice inside of that. Uh, you you got, kind of have to have no fear. And so I think when people start playing catch with Adbert and they, they start seeing his slider and his two-seamer, you start seeing fear in people's eyes, <laughs> his teammates. It's like, this thing's so nasty, it's not that easy. So, you know, I had to take a deep breath a couple of times, take him in a corner, say, hey, throw it hard as you can. Let it rip, son. Let it rip. And he took off. I mean, it was like, uh, you know, a, a fighter pilot you know, getting in a jet, that's what he was putting in his hand and watching it develop. I mean, we knew it from day one. It's just a matter of him believing in it, finding ways to use it, finding ways to find that confidence. But uh, 
in South Bend last year, take him in a corner and say, hey, man, just throw it hard as you can. Let's see what you got. And I was fortunate enough he only hit the glove, maybe hit a toe a couple times, but I kept my teeth. Uh, his teammates started watching him control it a little bit better, and he was able to start throwing to everybody. And now, like, uh, sky's the limit. But what a worker. Yeah, I was actually, I was going to ask more about that too. Like, what does that say about him that he was willing to add a pitch like that and then embrace it as fully as he did? Well, I, I think that's somebody who, who knows there's something there, but just can't grasp it. And if you embrace the journey of, of willingness to, to learn through failure, you know, a lot of times good things can happen. And that's, that's about all the guys we were just talking about, Justin, Tommy, and, and Adbert, you know, they're not afraid to fail. And once you put that barrier down, it, it, the sky's the limit. And, and like I said, these guys got a lot to offer, but I, I don't think uh, Cubs Nation and the, uh, the enemies in the other color uniforms have seen the best yet. The best is yet to come. In talking about the journey too, when you were in Kane County in 2013, Wilson Contreras was the catcher there. I, just curious from your perspective, what it's been like to see Wilson grow and work with all those pitchers as, you know, this young prospect to this two-time all-star World Series winning catcher, the one that you see, you know, now at pitch, or catching for the Cubs all the time. Again, the belief in oneself is probably the, the first step to finding a champion. And that's Wilson. He believed in himself from day one. You know, he had the, the skill set probably that 1% of catchers possess. Um, and he had the aggressive mentality that every pitching coach loves. And everybody who's into pitching wants somebody back there who's going to fight for you. And he's got an absolute cannon. So you put those things together with uh, the ability to say, hey, I want to win every game and watch where Wilson's come from. I was work with Wilson and, and Instructionally in 2012, had him all of 2013 and 14. And like, this guy was just a winner. Uh, so one thing I just wanted to know too, in terms of, uh, as we talked about the alternate side and pitching development, what kind of impact has Craig Breslow had on the organization? And what has it been like for you working with him the last couple of years here? Well, first I'll say Craig has a hand up on everybody because he's left-handed. <laughs> I may be impartial to that, but uh, you know, the guy's got, he's got two brains. Uh, not many humans have two brains. He's got two. He's got the ability to see something and an ability to think through and around it. Uh, but on the other hand, like his, his communication skills are, are sharp as anybody's and being able to play, being able to relate and being able to create, uh, I think is something that Craig's brought to us in a, in a real fine fashion. And he just makes everybody feel included to the point of like, if something's not gonna work, let us know. But he's got a lot of great ideas and he, and he knows how to follow through. So I think that uh, he's brought a lot to the table and he helps us out a lot on a daily basis. And he helps all levels, that's the whole thing. He's from helping the big league guys out to the, the youngest guys we got. Sounds good. Well, Ron, thank you very much for providing insight and uh, coming to chat with us here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. Appreciate you for having me. It was great chatting with Ron Vlone. We thank him for his time and his inside perspective on all those young arms. And I really liked him talking about Wilson Contreras as a guy who wasn't even really on the radar of prospects back in 2013 in Kane County. And speaking of injuries, as we started this podcast, Andy, discussing 
the Cubs avoided some serious potential for serious injury here when Wilson got crossed up with Craig Kimbrell on Sunday in St. Louis, took that 98 mile an hour fastball right off like the, the wrist hand bone there. I, I have no idea how he stayed in the game. I, I, I mean, that guy is so tough to be able to do that. But yeah, imaging came back, you know, x-rays were negative. Nothing was broken. He got the off day Monday, sat out Tuesday's game back in the lineup for Wednesday. So as you talk about all these injuries and how it affects the Cubs, I, I think, it, you know, the fact that Wilson is able to be out there with how important he is, that's definitely a bit of good injury news the Cubs have received this week. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, uh, Wilson Contreras, we know what he does offensively, but, you know, one of the things he talked about last week um, when, when the Cubs were on the road, he mentioned, you know, it's his mission. It's his, you know, goal to, to help these young guys, Keegan Thompson, Jason, see all these young guys to, to get them in, into, into their routine and be able to do what they do um, as a pitchers. And that's a huge role where if you lose them, yeah, like obviously, you, you know, you're losing that big bat in the lineup, but then you're losing that mentorship side, that, that game calling side, that catching side, that's also equally important that the, the Cubs uh, prioritize highly with, with Wilson Contreras. Yeah, and Andy actually had a great story at MarqueeSportsNetwork.com about how Wilson Contreras plays that kind of big brother mentorship role, both with the Cubs pitching staff and also with his younger brother, William Contreras, who is a catcher with the Atlanta Braves, getting his first real shot in the, in the big leagues right now. So go check that out at MarqueeSportsNetwork.com. That'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app. Thanks for listening.